listening to a Hip Hop Digest special interview with King Killer, Kuchi, and E. Green. Welcome to the Hip Hop Digest interview series. It's your man, DJ King Killer. Don't forget about your boy, Kurt G. And of course, it's your man's Ease O'Grigio. And it's a, it's, a, it's a special night tonight because uh, King Killer usually says the, or did I miss it again, the interview series. <laughs> yeah, he said interview series. I think you might have been smoking a little bit before we got here. Hey, I don't know if I was smoking. <laughs> I don't know about that part, but yes. Here we are. We have a man who uh, you absolutely know his work. You you've seen it everywhere. You may know his story. You know you may know his hip hop b boying. We got Justin Bua on here with us tonight. Yo, what's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have on legends. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. And Kelly, you want to tell him what, what you always have to tell guests? All right. So before we start, before we start the show, the guests, I would uh, we require a couple of things from the guests. The first thing was to tell us your personal favorite, your personal favorite three MCs. Not the mm. historical list, just your personal. personal. <laughs> we don't care if you're your, your next door neighbors. If you're they're your favorite MCs, they're your favorites. Uh, well, definitely Melly Mel, because to me, to this day, he's got one of the greatest, most unique voices, most powerful voices, most classic voices. And I, I just, lo I just love his tone, his cadence. He's just such an originator, innovator. I, just, I love him so much. And then I would have to say DMC, not because... I did a documentary on DMC, or I painted DMC, because I've also painted Mel. But all, but because when DMC was at his prime, you could hear him from, like, you know, the nosebleed seats. He was so powerful, so strong. Um, and also lyrically, we forget that DMC wrote a lot of the lyrics for not just Run DMC, but for the Beastie Boys and just some classics. And he was so influenced by rock and roll. I just it, it comes through in his voice. He's very unique, and he's also like the bridge between the classic MCs, you know, the Kumo D's, uh, the early, early, early MCs, and the the late the ones that were to come, like the Jay Z's. Uh, and then I would have to say, you know, and there's so many, obviously, rock him. I mean, everybody's going to say that, too. So it's like, you know, you're choosing the obvious choice. But to me, Rakim is just he's he's got the most hard uh, voice studio wise, not not necessarily live, but studio wise. So those would be my my top three. Uh, and they, they resonate with me deeply on a spiritual level. Oh wow! Okay, wow. wow. That's we know we have a veteran in the house when you mention Melly Mel <laughs> and DMC. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, it's so hard to hear, like, oh, you know, like Eminem or Drake. You ever have anyone say Drake? I hope not. No, oh. not on this. Not on this show. They won't. On this show, they will not say that. Yeah, that's good. Especially if they listen to us. Yeah. All right. And the second question is, sir, what? Uh, Per P 
piece of music, it doesn't matter the format or whatever, that you bought with your own money. Mm. Yes, sir. With your own money. Most A lot of people get on here and say they stole their first piece of music. We, <laughs> we won't let them get away with that anymore. You have to tell us the first piece you bought with your own money. You know, I would, with my own money, I would have to say, like, it's probably Rapper's Delight, you know, as as much as, as mainstream as that was, what was that, 79? Uh, Sylvia Robinson, I mean, that was, that was before I knew that, like, you know, Kaz had all his lyrics stolen, but it was still... It was still the shit. Like, I even heard it the other day with my five-year-old, and she was just going nuts for it. <laughs> like, no matter... Even though you know they're not, like, real quality MCs from the hood. You know what I mean? They're, like, just... It's it, it just the vibe of it was so good. It was so well-produced. It had such... It has such a flavor to it. And so that was the one that I remember uh, that I purchased first with oh. my money. Okay. All right. All right. That I made from breakdancing on the street from, you know, took the money out of the hat and <laughs> got that got that record. All right. So 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 let's let's just jump right into that because one one of the first pieces that I saw me was the DJ one, right? And uh we all the three of us are I I I'm cons I'm considering myself a retired DJ except for what I do here. They still may be uh doing the work the yeoman's work i don't know but that's how we all got to this point where we are right now but for you someone who who uh does art and so much more how in the world did you realize that you had a talent or, or, or when did you realize you had a talent to do this well i mean i i've been painting and drawing since i was little uh five years old i was doing books and you know, little comics and characters. And then I went to LaGuardia High School of Music and Performing Arts and went to school with another. I was a freshman when he was a senior, Slick Rick at Music and Art, High School of Music and Performing Arts on 137th Street and Common Avenue. Shout out to the old Music and Art. But when the, when Slick Rick was in the Kango crew, so you want to take it way back. And I used to see those lunchroom performances. But I was painting at LaGuardia and then I really got serious afterwards and i was able to take you know my vision of the world that i saw and experienced and manifest it classically in paintings because i believe you know with anything musically you guys are djs and you know, we talk about mcs but i think that there's a importance to the classical aspect to the craft whether you're studying the masters you know, uh, or reading and writing music. I think that's all really significant. And there was not a lot of, if any of my contemporaries that I grew up with who had approached art from that perspective, you know, you had like Doe's and you had a bunch of graffiti writers in my neighborhood, like Futura. And, I mean, just, just too many revolt and, Dondi and Lee and Lady Pink and all of those people, but no one had really understood the value of classical education mm. with, with the work because there's a ceiling to anything. And there's not a ceiling if you have more tools. 
there's no ceiling. It's impossible. That's why Michelangelo was 81. He said, I'm just beginning to learn how to draw because there's no ceiling. You keep learning because you realize how deep it is. It's like actually so deep. There's a chasm of, in, it's, an, it's a chasm into infinity. Mm-hmm. Well, with that said, one of the impetus that we have you on this show, uh, at least for me anyway, I thought the uh, writing on the tower in Los Angeles, I said, uh, because it had made the news and I was like, that's the spirit of hip hop that is lost obviously we don't hear about that in the context of of hip-hop nowadays but i thought that was in the spirit of hip-hop the neighbors were outraged about it and people who lived in that community were outraged about it but i felt or at least that hit me and i i'm curious to get your thoughts about that i thought that was in the spirit of hip-hop in the tradition of you know it's not the trains or and, and whatnot but they really were outlaws as far as doing their art. Well, you know, the origins of graffiti are just the the co-option of public space. I mean, you see, like, who owns public space? You know, like, it, it's clearly owned by, and we got into this conversation before, but it seems like the people with the money, you know, the people with the real money, the big pharmas, the big insurance, the tech world, those are the people that own public space now so just because you're you know writing on a writing on something you're you know you're trying to co-op something that you feel is yours and if it's a banksy then you're beautifying the aesthetics right you're adding value to it so technically you know it's it's a very nuanced thing but the origins of it are really about public space going all city and really making it your own you're basically changing the cultural geography and the story of the landscape and what are the most boring places in the world those are the cookie cutter suburbs right the tim burton you know edward scissorhand you know homogenized architecture everything is cookie cutter but in a city things are not cookie cutter because a lot you know has to do with the writing on the wall so to speak graffiti you know graffiti is a mechanism of uh not only making something original but it also can be you know a vast amount of communication do cave paintings at lasco france are nothing more than you know communicating to future generations communicating from past generations talking to the gods there's deep deep significant meanings to these drawings and i think that's kind of the real story of what real graffiti is you know speaking to your to your references like it's really about manifesting something deeply spiritual into the universe that being said you know if you get a whack tag on your shop you can also make it ugly and bring the whole vibration down that's possible too so you have to really distinguish between graffiti which is a high art in my opinion right graffiti the italian word graffiti and vandalism and i think that everybody like in new york back in the days you know when i was everyone was like you know called a vandal like you report your graffiti artist it was everything was so 
these were actually pioneers of culture. There was definitely vandals, don't get me wrong. There were for sure vandals. But there was a distinguishing aspect to graffiti writers. And now everybody's a street artist, you know? So that's a whole different story. That's a whole different subject. Hmm. Well, let me ask, because, you know, we know you're a hip hop head yeah. who was very talented in the arts. How did all that blend in? Because I guess you were coming of age as hip hop was coming of age as well, just living where you lived right there in the midst of it. How, how did that uh, hit you? How did, how did you get attached to hip hop? The first time uh, I ever saw anything was this kid. I, I don't even know how, if you know, you ever heard of this guy Floating John? He had like a hundred floats and like he was, you know, backslide, moonwalk, side, just so many, so many beautiful floats. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I know I have to do that. Right. And I grew up two blocks away from Rocksteady Park. So I was, you know, I bore witness to like, you know, Crazy Legs, and Ken Swift, Buck Four, Kiriaki, Normski, Mr. Freeze, just all of these, you know, Frosty Freeze, all of the greats. And I knew that I had to be a part of that. It was this kind of, is this something, is when you see something for the first time and it hits you, like you're getting hit in the head with a brick and you're like, what the fuck is that? That's insane. And I gotta be a part of that. That's kind of how I felt. That's what hip hop was. It's the same thing, you know, when I saw, you know, the first, MC battle or the first time I went to the Roxy, you know, to see Herc spin and flash and red alert go berserk. It was like these, I, it's just, it, it was intoxicating. Oh, I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you had to be a part of it. And then as I got older, I was like, I have to tell that story because I was there and I'm a painter and what would I be doing? Like, what is Rembrandt without telling his story? What is John Singer Sargent? What is Katie Kovitz? What is, you know, Claude Claude Monet? I mean, everybody's telling their story through their art. The great artists are telling their story. And so I was telling my story of the culture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now this is this is a follow-up question to that because you have you put on for the culture, right? But you you your work, I can, I, I kind of like equate it to hip hop. You, 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 your shit, your shit has been bitten and sold commercially that you will never benefit from, so to speak. So to that's speak. for sure. Like hip hop being just taken away from what it really was to being this commercially, like, we're just going to take this, do this. How do you feel like, like real talk? How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I made a good career out of it, so I'm not going to complain uh, on that level. But I think I don't necessarily believe that the greatest artists are recognized. Does that make sense? Like, I don't believe that, you know, do, how many people know who Big L is, for example, right? That's a good example of that. Like, it's just our, the greatest artists are the ones who were at the right place at the right time. And I'm not complaining because my DJ has sold 14 million prints. I mean, I have, it's a massively popular print. But the younger kids that are coming up that can't draw and paint as, you know, academically or under, they don't draw or really understand the art of it. 
nor do they have a story to tell. They're essentially facsimiles. But it doesn't really matter because it's about what gallery you're at or who's buying your work or what celebrity has talked about you. And we know that. And that's kind of the same thing with anything, right? You're not, you're, you're going to be copied. And Aristotle said that imitation is the purest form of flattery. So that should be, that's the good side. The bad side is that there's been a lot of things career-wise where people have just straight stolen my work. And, you know, for example, I, I can't really control when I came out with my DJ MC B-Boy graffiti writer Elements of Hip Hop Statue Collection with Sideshow, you know, it was the most knocked off collection they'd ever had. And they've had Batman and Star Wars figures and, you know, <laughs> everything. Like, the Sideshow's massive, but they haven't had something that was so knocked off. But what can you do about it? Because it's China. You can't do anything about it. You can't, you know, it's a cat chasing a tail. You can't go after them. It's impossible. The laws are, the international laws are different and it's just an impossible fight to win. So you go after the ones that you can go after and then you let everything else just sit. And hopefully you hope, and I don't know if this is true, but you hope that history will tell the truth. But I think the reality is like anything, like war, and the stories that we read in the history books that history is written by the by the victory you know by the people that win and that's with everything so will i be in an art history book even i don't know do i i mean do i deserve to be for sure of course but will shepherd fairy and banksy be there absolutely for sure they're already cementing their place but they know everybody they're connected the connection it's all about connection i mean that's 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 life though as far as that goes, no doubt. Got any, uh, want to chime in anything, Kurt, Killer? Uh, yeah, I, you know, something back. Um, your, your art, I mean, what you do now, obviously, is, is well chronicled. Um, when's the last time you picked up a, a, a aerosol can? No, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do that. It's I, like, I, I've never was great with aerosol. I was, I was, I used to bomb back in like the eighties, the early eighties. You know, good. I good hand styles. Uh, I was good in my black book, but I wasn't great on the wall because I didn't really care. I cared more about characters and, Painting. I like painting at an easel, old school, like the masters. Like I have a, I just brought a 300 pound crank easel to my studio today that I've had forever from storage. So, um, <clears throat> I painted a 300 pound crank easel. So you crank it like this old school to go up and down. And it's massive. It's massive. I could get a massive painting on there. So I'm not really that guy. I'm not a, I'm not a aerosol guy. And I think aerosol is highly toxic too. <laughs> it's it's I'm, honestly it sucks like i remember almost dying going you know to the to the ones in the ghost yards and and having this gust of wind come and the aerosol the krylon just hit me and i got caught i swear to god i was gonna die of suffocation because i couldn't breathe for like 30 seconds mm. so i mean there's so many people that are so good with aerosol so good and they've got so many different techniques 
and I'm not one of them. All right. <laughs> Just be honest. Wild style, the movie. Yeah. How does that resonate with you? I mean, it's great. Like Style Wars, Wild Style. I was in Beach Street. I mean, I was, I was in the Roxy with standing next to Coco. She was kind of pushing me away. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm right there. The whole battle of Rocksteady and um, New York, and it's just, it's just, it's great to be to see myself there. Uh, I wasn't in Wild Style. I wasn't in Style Wars. A big fan of those movies. They're great movies. I mean, Henry Chalfant did Wild Style, right? Or no, he did Style Wars. Who did Wild Style? I forgot. Maybe he did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, classic, super classic, brings you back for sure. Yes, sir. So uh, with all of this, so so as 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 somebody who loves your work, appreciates you greatly. Um, what do you feel? I mean, I'm I'm sure you you're you'll say you're still building your legacy. But what do you think of your legacy at this point right now? If you were to never do another piece of art, for whatever reason, you chose not to, well, how do you feel about your legacy in, in hip-hop art? Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm the first person that ever did prints of hip-hop images. So I was by the first person that got the narratives of hip-hop out in fine artwork. Nobody did that before me. Um, and I opened up a $250 million a year business. It's a $250 million a year business that I started essentially. And I'm not a part of that anymore because I've gone to another place. You know, I painted the DJs. I did my legends of hip hop book. I, I had the first ever TV show where I hosted, you know, the street art throwdown. Uh, I, I mean, I had the first, you know, one of the first hip hop cartoons on Comedy Central. Like, I mean, I did NBA Street and NFL Street. I designed the whole look and feel of that. I did Slum Village video. I did Quad Cities DJ record cover. I have a lot of commercial accolades. But my main thing is the posters. You know, the fact that I've sold millions of DJs, millions of MCs, and 1981, my breakdance, my tribute to the to the nascent moments of b-boying. Uh, the graffiti writer circumventing the actual culture by calling him the artist and not even a graffiti writer. Uh, I think that I've done a lot for uh, the culture in terms of the fact that I paint the culture. I've always painted the culture. Uh, no one did that before me. And if people are doing it after me, I'm sure they are. Uh, I was definitely the first and I was the best. And I still am. I'm just bad, but I'm better. No, don't like, don't, not, don't hurt yourself. Hard. Don't you reach in over there? Don't, don't hurt yourself. No, it's, it's, I'm being honest. <laughs> I, listen, we have to have honest conversations. Yes, sir. I think we're of the we're of, we're of the we're of the age. Trust me. There's a lot of talented people, but in that genre, I mean, there's nobody. Nobody's mm. fucking with him. What he's saying. That's what I'm nobody. talking about, though. <laughs> nobody. I mean, what do you expect, like, Rock him and, and DMC not to have bravado? Ooh, man, on. I love it. I love it. I mean, here, here's the thing. The, the absolute narcissistic idea that artists don't have to pay homage to the masters and understand classical figure drawing and classical painting and all of that stuff that nobody wants to do because it's like paying dues and then call themselves an artist is insane to me. 
Mm. They're just not doing it anymore. And, and, then, <laughs> and then and then and then on top of that, then we get into like what's going on with AI, and it's just it's crazy. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's just, yeah, that's critical right <laughs> there. Uh, it's here. It's here. It's here. Yeah. It's, it's it's daunting, but it's here. Yeah, it's 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 been here. We just now we just get to. It's, it's, see it. it it's ugly yeah. to the point of yeah you can't even you won't be able to tell somebody have a conversation with somebody without them imitating your voice and <laughs> just like or you yep, think you're communicating with somebody, somebody and like, you're not exactly although i do get a lot of robocalls where i'm like this could be so much better <laughs> like, it's just, i got so many today i got like eight i was like this is so bad <laughs> i have not been fooled once oh my goodness wow the, you know it's coming though. You're right. It's 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 dangerously close. It's getting scary. People that do AI and and are essentially prompting on Mid Journey or prompting on uh, Dali or prompting on the 500 open AI machine learned sources are delusional to think that they're artists. They're insane. You know, like just let's everybody auto tune and let every filter do everything for you. You create a song now, you know, you can create a song on ChatGPT and do the whole thing. And that's like, that's just, it's not art. Nope. No. It isn't. It's terrible. You guys are so old the way you think. <laughs> oh, yeah. There definitely, people will definitely argue that. We yeah. we deal with that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just speaking yeah. on hip-hop music, you know. Yeah. We call um, ourselves the dinosaurs. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but yeah. you have to have that because without people like us then there's no checks and balances then everyone just can get away with it right like so you always bear witness to my instagram posts which i've toned down because you know some of them have got millions i got one with 5.1 million it's like the nastiness mm -hmm. of the dms that i get <laughs> i just i had to stop because everyone mm. was like every every post i do is catches fire it's crazy and I can't keep up with the the like adolescent idea that people are getting their feelings hurt. Like, I'm sorry that you're getting your feelings hurt, but this is a, a lady hitting a piece of butter with a microphone sitting in the middle of a gallery is not art. And the <laughs> fact that I said that is so outrageous to some people i've gotten death threats wow. and i'm just like this is like we've got we've become so weak and sensitive to the point where i can't have my by the way this is my opinion i'm not saying right. you have to share the opinion right. like if you don't share my opinion you're a piece of shit i'm not saying that i'm just saying this is my opinion that this lady Hitting a piece of like <laughs> butter with a microphone is not art. Or right. the guy, right. or the guy scraping his face against the giant, you know, pottery bowl of clay, is absolutely ridiculous. And I am entitled to my opinion, as you are yours. And you could, by the way, say that's I think it's art because, and you could, you know, do a Chat GPT diatribe of why you think that's art, and it's you know you're an able articulate dialectician and you feel like you're a Rhodes Scholar because you justified it. But the reality is you're sick because you can't handle the reality that you suck. <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're a, you're a demented human being 
who your parents told you everything you did was great, even though it was mediocre. Your parents told you that you're just incredibly qualified and no one could tell you you're not an artist and everybody's an artist. It's like, bro, not everybody is an artist. That is... You have to pay dues. When you were coming up as a, a MC, you had to battle your way or a B-boy, you had to battle your way or as a fighter, you have to fight. Could you imagine anyone saying that they're a fighter and going in with fucking Floyd? That's insane. You just get knocked down. You go, well, I guess he wasn't, but you can't do that with art. No, right. You can't do that with art. So you're able to get away with this completely childish manifestation of greatness because, oh, I'm just so great. I'm an artist. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I need to put what you just said on a loop. <laughs> the hard truth. <laughs> as, as motivation. <laughs> but I, I, I love how he takes it from the encyclopedia, from words you're like, what is he saying to the street? To break it all the way down for you, like this is what I'm saying. You suck. <laughs> yeah, it's like because every because because here's the thing: we live in a very um, precious world where people are virtue signaling nonstop. It's a nonstop virtue signaling. I'm down with them, and everyone's an artist, and nobody could say that nothing is art. I mean, I get those all the time. Like that, those are the nice ones I get. Like. How dare you say, I mean, I, I get a lot of shame on you, like shame on you. I'm like, okay, so I should just say, here's another piece of art, check it out. And that's it. Just present it. Like I not have an opinion on it unless it's positive. Boo, I used to love you when you posted your own stuff. No, you didn't. You don't even follow me. Like it's so great. <laughs> they're just lying. They're, on top of everything else, they're lying. And yeah. so they also want to justify the fact that their parents spent Two hundred forty-six thousand dollars on their education, and they still don't know how to draw. <laughs> that's a hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. So they have to say, "Well, that's art. We're all artists. Every child is an artist. That's true. Every child is an artist. Yeah. Every child is an artist. <laughs> every child is an artist, but not every adult is an artist." <laughs> Man, absolutely well, awesome. We uh. We appreciate you coming on here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always bothering you about stuff and sending you no. stuff to get your brain flipping. <laughs> oh, there's a, the there's one that there's one that someone sent that many people sent where it's a new piece. that has gone viral where a guy gets into he he's in a gallery and he's stretching. He's, you know, he's doing his he's breathing. He's getting ready. He's just fully getting in the mode and finally he lays down and it's he lays down for four days <laughs> and that's the piece that's our like what? but it's gone viral and i'm going to do something on it and the fact that yeah. i'm going to say that that's not art is going to fuck oh, you're gonna drive get people it. nuts you're gonna yes. get it yeah you know it what, what yes. was all the stretching for i'm gonna get it down yeah. wow. well when you uh bring your exhibit to vegas and if when I when I see you, I'm unless my unless my knee stops me, I'm I'm a, I'm a battle you with your up rock because I, I see you always out there up rocking and whatnot. So yeah, not 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 lately, but yeah. <laughs> not lately. But I well, should I should get back into it because it's a great exercise. No doubt. So tell people where they can find you. Where they, I mean, they do know, but just just for the sake of it, tell people where they can find you. Justin Bua, J-U-S-T-I-N-B-U-A. Um, 
you know, Instagram, justinbua.com. That's pretty much it. And just in the ether of your consciousness, when you're thinking, am I good? And I'm saying, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I live in, I basically live in their minds. I live in their head. I've got a couch, I'm painting. I'm working and they're not. So they feel sick. Rent free. (laughs) Damn it. Rent free. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, uh, you take care of yourself and I'll be hollering at you soon. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.